Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at the thepetecalendarshow.com. And remember, you can get the podcast totally free. Comes right to your smartphone or tablet three times a day because there are three episodes, one for each hour. And, yeah, we, we edit out, like, the commercials and stuff. and Yeah. And you, and it's free. It just shows up after the hour's over. Either, you know, Bernie or Tommy will package it all up and send it out to you. And then we'll make some edits because we messed up. <laughs> well, I still put 2023 on the title. It's <laughs> all right. Live radio, Pete. It happens. That's it. We're working without a net here. Well, I mean, okay. Well, we're working with a seven-second delay net, but that's it. Um, we have some breaking news out of Beirut. A meeting of the Israeli cabinet that was scheduled for tonight has been postponed. Israeli officials confirmed to NBC News. Um, oh, wait a minute. Hang on a second. This is a live feed, so they just stuck something else in here. Doot, doot. Here it is. Saleh al-Aruri, a senior Hamas leader, was killed in a drone strike today in a suburb of Beirut. And for uh, the geographically challenged, a.k.a. Americans, that is in Lebanon. That is not Gaza. It's not Israel. It's a whole different country. It's Lebanon. Now, uh, Lebanon... Uh, does have a lot of people that are super friendly with Iran. Hezbollah, for example, uh, or Hezbollah, if you will, um, however you prefer to say it, tomato, tomato, whatever. But um, they are an Iranian proxy, just like Hamas is an Iranian proxy, just like Islamic Jihad is, right? So the guy that they whacked was in Beirut. The Israeli Defense Forces did not immediately respond to a request for comment from NBC News. Lebanese state media reported that the Israeli military targeted a Hamas office in the area. Oh, so they, they just have offices set up in Lebanon? Like, so stroll on into your local Hamas office, be like, yo, what's going on? Can I get some... You know, rocks to throw or some suicide belts or something. Maybe some paragliders. Like what How exactly? I guess maybe it's like a recruitment office. They killed six, injured several others. It's unclear whether Al-Aruri was included in that death toll. But Hamas is saying that he was. Um, in a post on Twitter, Danny Danon a member of Israel's right-wing Likud party, congratulated the IDF, the Shin Bet, which is like their security or intelligence force or something, um, and the Mossad and security forces for killing Al-Aruri. Mm. Oh, that explains why there was some uh, Israel, uh, yeah, Israeli aircraft 
struck Hezbollah infrastructure in Lebanon today. Um, mm-hmm, do, 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 soon after, um, the uh, Hezbollah said it struck an IDF command center in northern Israel with a combat drone and hit its target accurately. The group also alleged that it injured soldiers in a strike on IDF barracks, but the IDF has not reported casualties from Hezbollah attacks today. Um, Lebanese Prime Minister Najib Mikati accused Israel of trying to bring Lebanon into a new phase of confrontation. Oh, that's just stupid. Don't be stupid, Najib. Don't be stupid. Israel, Israel does not want Lebanon in the war. If Lebanon, look, if you guys don't want to be in the war, I got a really simple idea for you. Get rid of Hezbollah out of your country. That's hanging out along the southern border with Israel. How about that? As long as you allow Hezbollah to keep firing rockets into Israel and keep launching attacks from Lebanon into Israel, Israel's going to retaliate. If you don't want none, don't start none. That's age-old geopolitical rule. According to Hamas, the explosion killed Saleh al-Aruri and two other members of Hamas in a southern suburb of Beirut. Um, IDF still hasn't commented. So this is like one of those real-time feeds, you know, so I'm just kind of scrolling through here. Um, Advisor to... Uh, so, okay, Mark Regev, advisor to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, told MSNBC's Andrea Mitchell that Israel has not taken responsibility for the strike near Beirut today that killed a Hamas leader. Regev did not deny or confirm whether Israel authorized the strike, but said it was a surgical hit on Hamas rather than an attack on Lebanon. It is not an attack on the Lebanese state. He said it was not an, ev- it was not an attack even on Hezbollah terrorist organization whoever did this it is an attack on hamas that's very clear Hmm. speaking of um oh by the way this guy al aruri he was designated uh, as a global terrorist since 2015 he was the deputy political leader for Hamas, one of the founders of the Al-Qassam Brigades, the so-called military wing of Hamas, which is ridiculous to me. They're, like I, I make fun of this all the time. Like every, the, the media bends over backwards to always say, oh, that's, the, that's the, the military wing of Hamas, as if there's some sort of, they, they ever say like the IDF, oh, that's just the military wing of Israel. No, it's their military. This idea that Hamas gets its own separate partition between its political leaders and its military leaders is just, it's, it's asinine. Meanwhile, you got these jack wagons clogging up all of the airports in America for these, uh, demanding that the, uh, the war end, demanding that the Jews just take it. That's what they're saying. That's what this is about. They want ceasefire now, and they're going to get it by uh, shutting down air traffic on Christmas Day and on New Year's Day. And so they did it again, apparently, at JFK Airport yesterday with concerns over the impact of a planned pro-Palestinian protest on Monday at JFK Airport. The NYPD warned passengers to arrive early for any flights on New Year's Day. Guys, 
this doesn't get any better until you guys start dropping the hammer on these uh, on these quote activists. Okay, these are chaos agents. Shortly after 2 p.m., a number of vehicles waving Palestinian flags were seen in the area of JFK Airport as police appeared to limit access to Terminal 4 and to the air train. Traffic was very heavy in the area. So they did like a traffic slowdown, and then they clogged up the terminal so people couldn't get to their flights. They missed their flights. They get disrupted. They get angry. This is not... What, you, think, you think this is the way you're going to win hearts and minds? If... If law enforcement does not start dropping the hammer on these, it is not legal to stop traffic. I don't like if you want to get if you don't want to enforce this law, get rid of the freaking law. Then get rid of the law. This goes beyond freedom of assembly, freedom of speech. You are beyond that. It is illegal to block traffic in the thoroughfare. And if you don't like the law, then eliminate the law. But what you're doing is using the lack of enforcement of law in order to disrupt people's lives in order to do what? To apply political or to, for the, to, uh, to have them apply political pressure to their leaders to do what you want them to do. You are extorting them. That is what is occurring. You are nothing more than simple extortionists. JFK Airport has nothing to do, nothing to do with whether or not Israel enters a ceasefire with Hamas. And in fact, Egypt tried to broker a ceasefire the other day. And guess who rejected it? No, not Israel. No, it was Hamas. Again, they do not want a ceasefire. A ceasefire to Islamists means give me enough time so I can get up off the ground and reload. Because they pick a fight, they get their asses kicked, and then they cry for, you know, mercy, oh, uncle, uncle, ceasefire, ceasefire. And then they, what do they do? They regather themselves and reload, and then they launch more attacks. By the way, this guy, Al Ruri, he apparently had a $5 million bounty on him. The, the U.S., the United States, had a $5 million bounty on this guy's head which Israel, I guess, is now going to collect. More money going to Israel. Look at that. Okay. David the Dowser. Dowser Dave. Mm. Mm. I still keep coming back to the uh, temper tonic toss. It runs the best. It does, yeah. It sounds the best. Temper tonic toss. It's really good off the off the tongue. It's one of those things you say, you know, try to say it. You know, five times fast. You can still do it. Yeah. Tepertonic toss. Tepertonic. Yeah, you could totally do that five times fast. And it's got the heart, the the T and the K sound. Tonic. Tepertonic toss. Yeah. Tepertonic toss. You got the breaks. Yeah, it does. It It punches. Yeah, yeah. Robert. Welcome to the program. Hello, Robert. Pete, welcome back. Hey, Uh, thanks, man. Chad did a good job filling in. He always does. He's a great guy, and I always appreciate uh, his service to the station and to uh, to the audience. He's a he's a friend, well, and uh, yeah, and, and a, a real great guy to have uh, at our uh, on our Rolodex. I concur. Uh, regarding the uh, the the well, <laughs> I I didn't realize until today that you uh, announced for the Hornets for a while. I've been here in the Charlotte area 
um, from the, from the beginning of the Hornets and the beginning of the the Panthers, uh, and, and feel lucky to to be able to say that. Um, so, but, do you remember my time while I was there? Let honestly, me. Let, let, no, no, no. I, I, did, I just did not. I did not know that you were an announcer with the Hornets. But well, I was, I was just. Hornets, I just did pregame. At the half. I just did some of the segments pre-game, halftime, and post-game. I just gave the scores from around the league. I, I never did the uh, – I was never a play-by-play guy or anything like that. I was a young kid, so they were just uh, – I got some work thrown at me. And um, and so I just did, like, some audio editing, and then I would host the pre-game, uh, you know, scores or uh, uh, previews of the games from around the league. So maybe this will maybe this will uh, ring a bell, jog your memory. Peter O'Donnell. I went by the name of Peter O'Donnell. <laughs> uh, I must say I do not remember that, but but um, I'm sure you did a good job. I have no doubt about that. Uh, so I, pres- I, pre- I presume you were there d- during the Muggsy Bogues and Larry Johnson times. Is that right? Uh, no, I was there the year Bobby Phils died. Huh. Well, anyway, my main point was about the Panthers, and but I, speaking of the Hornets, very quickly, Muggsy Bogues is someone who had hardly any tangibles. But he had he played with tremendous heart, and in a small market uh, city like we are, we're never gonna we're, we're never gonna have the the uh, the immense talent that a lot of these teams are able to to command year in year in and year out. But Muggsy played with heart. Uh, our current Panthers announcers Jake Delome and Luke Keekley played with a lot of heart, and when you when you listen to them announce announce the games, they can only go so far because. They are they are Panthers announcers, but they they imply regularly that that we need to make plays. Uh, we we need to have some guys who are breaking some tackles. And what they are implying is that we have some guys. We have a lot of guys who are not necessarily playing as hard as they can no. and playing with that heart that we need. So yeah, they've checked talent, out. But I think I think we also lack heart. Yeah, they. I think. I mean, look, we are, we've won two games, right? One game? Are we one? One? Okay, two. Right. Okay. So we've won we two won games. Two. Yeah. So a lot of these guys have checked out. They've they've got two or three more games left on the year. Probably don't want to risk a massive injury. So they're just mailing it in. I suspect it's going to get even worse in the final games. There's unless there's some you know pride they're playing for. There's there, I don't see any reason why they that they would be trying to go all out so what they can finish with four wins on the end of the year like that's. Yeah, I agree. Well, well, well. We only have two wins, and we only have one game left. We oh. have we have assured ourselves of having the worst record in the league. Nice, but, give it up, guy right, Panthers. Yeah, but not the first pick. No, not the first pick. Or we don't even get two. We don't even get the first two. We, well, if you watch somebody like Derek Brown, now he plays with a lot of heart, and we just and and I don't even have expectations of us being a perennial. 10 win team but i do have expectations of us having a lot of guys who play with heart yeah no i yeah because i mean theoretically we would be the stepping stone to larger markets for them to prove that they've got the skills and the talent and the heart to overcome any lack in skills uh and talent and and you would think that they would use that as an opportunity but apparently a lot of them do not so uh robert i do appreciate the call man it's a good point All right, do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply. 
at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? News Talk 1110 wbt 704-570-1110 1-800-WBT-1110 Email is Pete at the Um I was going over this New York or NBCNewYork.com piece on the uh, protests outside of JFK Airport. Um, 62 people were arrested during two protests that included one in Los Angeles International Airport at the same time yesterday. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, all of them are probably out uh, as well. Um, around the same time as the New York protest, a major thoroughfare leading to the L.A. airport was shut down by another group of pro-Palestinian protesters who dragged traffic cones, trash bins, scooters, and debris into the lanes. So... So now they're 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 bringing foreign objects onto the road so people can't pass. You realize this is a tactic in carjackings. In a statement, the LAPD accused protesters of throwing a police officer to the ground and attacking uninvolved passersby in their vehicles without providing further details about either incident. The group appeared to flee when police arrived, though the Los Angeles Police Department said traffic around the airport remained impacted for about two hours after the demonstration was declared unlawful. Since the Israel-Hamas war erupted on October 7th, nearly nightly protests have broken out in cities across the United States. Uh, Yeah, well, Democrat-controlled cities for the most part, let's be clear, in New York. Pro-Palestinian organizers have responded to the growing death toll in Gaza with escalating actions aimed at disrupting some of the city's best-known events, including the Thanksgiving Day Parade and the annual tree-lighting ceremony at Rockefeller Center. Because, as I keep saying, the issue is never the issue with Marxists. That's who we are dealing with. These are communists. The issue is never the issue. The issue is whatever it has to be for now, because it's always about gaining power. That's it. Because that's what Marxism is. That's what it views all things as. Power dynamics. So if you don't have the power to exert control over somebody else, then you use whatever does give you the power. And that is propaganda and the Victim Olympics society that we have created. Where you have different tiers of victim status and everybody's trying to be first place in the oppression Olympics, you know? Now, that being said, and this does tie in now to the Harvard president finally stepping down. After three weeks and 50 complaints of plagiarism and, of course, the terrible performance uh, in, at the congressional hearing. Apparently, Farid Zakaria at CNN, he did a segment on the decline of elite American institutions, universities, I should say. And conservative commentator Matt Walsh, um, when you know, had some comments about this, like, "Oh, okay, so well, you finally agree with us. What took you so long? Where's your apology to us?" Right? 
We've been yelling this stuff for years. And along those same lines, I just got this email from Joseph, and he says he captures this same sentiment, which was Bill, when I mentioned Bill Ackman, who was this Harvard alum, really rich guy, and he's been putting all this pressure on the Harvard Corporation to fire this plagiarist as president. And Joseph says, uh, where was Bill Ackman and all the other billionaire philanthropists over the last 20 years, at least, when Harvard was producing some of the most vile anti-Western, anti-capitalist, anti-Christian, and anti-white rhetoric in academia? So this is a fair question to ask, but I, I came across a piece, and this is going to get at Joseph's email. I came across a piece um, from Abigail Schreier yesterday. Um, what was the name of her book? I'm trying to remember. Irreversible Damage. Talking about transgender surgeries and all of the this stuff. And she wrote that book years ago. And she was like one of the first targets of like organized cancel culture attacks over um, trans issues. There was a recent letter to the Wall Street Journal made a similar kind of a charge against Bill Ackman for what the writer said, considered Ackman's Johnny-come-lately campaign to hit back at Harvard in the weeks after revelations of its alarming anti-Semitism and general moral mediocrity. This letter to the editor said, American Jews have a left-leaning political history that has been hard for me to understand, but Mr. Ackman is the epitome of capitalism at work. How could he have missed the decades-long movement of Harvard and most of higher education towards its anti-Semitic, anti-capitalist, and anti-American philosopher of today? So Abigail Schreier points out this is an understandable reaction. Um, and she goes on to list all of these different issues, whether it's um, you know convincing girls to chop off their breasts while they're in the middle of some mental distress uh, mandating social isolation for kids and teens during a pandemic. Um, she goes on, you know, illegal immigration, uh, COVID, DEI. She runs through all of these uh, different issues and says, were we supposed to wait patiently until the New York Times and the Atlantic lazily gathered the gumption to do their jobs? Were we supposed to, or were we to speak up and stoically accept our due stigma? And now, after the foreseeable catastrophes have been laid bare, must conservatives pretend that no one could have seen it coming? Or worse, conservatives have to play cheerleaders to liberals for finally, finally waking up to a disaster that should have been easy for them to prevent? She says, not cheerleaders, no, but perhaps not elementary kids screaming, no fair, either. And here's the pill. Bitterness is something we should not indulge turning away fresh recruits for their late and uncertain arrival is something that maybe a winning army can afford to do, but that's not where we are. Fresh recruits should not be turned away. Was sounding the alarm even really hard back when we've been talking about this stuff for years. We used to talk about and joke about cry closets for like, we've been doing that for 15 years. I know the joke never gets old though. Um, For some people, yes, it was hard to sound the alarm. And the shallow gratification of I told you so doesn't actually advance any worthy goal. Our kids need a broad coalition of fighters for their future. And we won't get that broad coalition if we force late arrivals to grovel or perform some sort of walk of shame. Their need to save face is human and universal. And she's recommending we allow for it. I would would only add this one thing. 
I, I agree. You want to, if they're coming, at least they're coming now. Better late than never. Seriously, need all the help we can get. Now, if you jump ship, <laughs> if you turn around and you're like, oh no, okay, I'm going to go back over here. The gloves come off, and then yes, we're going to be, we're going to do walks of shame all over you, or I guess make you do the walks of shame. Yeah, I guess. Seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten one eight hundred WBT eleven ten. Uh, breaking news here: uh, Claudine Gay gives tearful resignation speech entitled Gettysburg Address. That is from the Babylon Bee. And let me see here. Got a message from Russ who says, I saw one instance of Claudine Gay's plagiarism where the person she plagiarized said, it's okay. We all do it as a defense. I saw that as well. Like this kind of thing happens all the time. I mean, these ideas, I mean, it's only so many ways you could say these ideas. Um, Abigail Schreier writing a piece, a New Year's piece, three New Year's resolutions. Um, and I'm, th- there was one part of it that, uh, that spoke to me, I, I feel like. And she's talking about how we've got people that are now kind of waking up and they're realizing stuff that people on the right have generally been recognizing for longer and it's been happening. I mean, people obviously, you know, opinions change and that sort of thing. But I've noticed over the past few years, a lot of people that were of the left that come over to the right. I'm not aware of a lot of people going the other direction, except Rick Wilson. Um, but she talks about how, well, she talks about what is the best strategy for the next generation. If we're actually trying to solve things and fix things, we, we've been yelling and screaming, identifying the problem. And we, we had, you know, half the country, basically, you had the media and, and the Democrats, but I repeat myself, uh, institutions that are captured by uh, progressivism and leftism. Uh, you had all of these uh, institutions organized in opposition. But now we're starting to see people falling away. I'm seeing companies that are dismantling their DEI departments, right? You're seeing state laws passed to deconstruct the deconstructors, to get them out of the universities. So it feels like it feels like we're starting to build momentum. And we should not be, I don't think we can afford to, so I don't think we should be, trying to shame people for not, arriving at where we are sooner, you know? She says their need to save face is human and universal, and we should allow for it. And and I guess, like, I'm okay with that. I am. I, I, I'm okay with that. I, I, I can forgive people for not either knowing or wanting to look away, not wanting to believe it. Whatever the reason is, it doesn't matter. If they come over to our side, we should say, yes, you're on our side. We've been right. Now, the problem is, is when we say, okay, so just like we were right on this other thing and that other thing over there, oh, yeah, and that thing and this thing and this thing and this thing and that thing, we were right about all of those things. And so now there's this new thing. You should trust us that like we're right on this one, too. And, of course, we're going to have to try to persuade people because they're not going to want to uh, agree with us. And this goes back to something Dennis Prager said uh, last year, which was, uh, that conservatives vote their principles, leftists vote their principles, but liberals do not. 
because there's a difference between leftists and liberals. Liberals don't. Liberals don't vote their values, their principles. They vote for progressive policies. They vote for progressives because they don't want to admit that they're actually closer to the conservatives than they are the progressives. But they don't want to admit that because, ew, orange man bad. You're icky. I don't want to be like you. She goes on to say a humbling truth with all conservatives or which all conservatives must face. The humbling truth. If you have been shouting anything from the rooftops for years, it is not to your credit that no one listened. You understand what she's saying? If you have been shouting anything from the rooftops for years, it's not to your credit that no one listened. This is why when I talk about when we have discussions about stuff and I try to frame arguments and I try to say, like, don't like the big the, 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 the one I use a lot is abortion. Right. When do rights obtain? That's the argument. Make that argument. When do rights obtain? And ask the person you're debating, when do rights obtain for the fetus? It's a clarifying question. It strips through all of the rape and incest and all that. I'm asking you, when do rights obtain? And once you start getting into that sort of mode of thinking is in ways of not trying to beat up people to say you're wrong, I'm right, but to try to make them examine the issue for the core question at play. She recommends maybe we get a little less sleep in 2024. Grab some coffee, do some push-ups, find your voice, welcome new teammates. There was so much work to do. And didn't we say that we wanted lives filled with purpose? We got our wish. We cannot afford to blow it. So happy new year. And let's do this. I'll see you tomorrow. Brett Winterbill's up next. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Thank you.